ان الحمد لله نحمده ونستعينه ونستغفره ونعوذ بالله من شرور انفسنا من سيئات اعمالنا من يهده الله فلا مضل له ومن يضل فلا هادي له واشهد ان لا اله الا الله وحده لا شريك له وان محمدا عبده ورسوله يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله حق تقاته ولا تموتن الا وانتم مسلمون يا ايها الناس اتقوا ربكم الذي خلقكم من نفس واحده وخلق منها زوجها وبث منهما رجالا كثيرا ونساء واتقوا الله الذي تساءلون به والارham ان الله كان عليكم رقيبا يا ايها الذين امنوا اتقوا الله وقولوا قولا سديدا يصلح لكم اعمالكم ويغفر لكم ذنوبكم ومن يطع الله ورسوله فقد فاز فوزا عظيما اما بعد Two days ago in London one of the richest cities in the world a city where many in the third world and around the world would risk their lives to come to it was in a city where may, maybe many would even die on their journey to come or sacrifice in order to come to the city a city where many leave their homelands and sell everything that they have to come to in search for a better life this city a city which is seen as a city of opportunity for wealth and success it was in this city that the younger brother of one of my close friends his house was under attack and the attacker brought out a knife and sadly his younger brother who was only 18 years old was stabbed in the neck and he passed away and he died protecting his mother in his, in her in her arms and as her mom shouted out afterwards my son they have taken my son and it's one of these moments in this story we real, we realize the reality of the jahil ignorant concepts and haram acts that make make us sick and angry to our stomach he was only 18 inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi rajiun and this should be a reminder to all of us that death can come at any time his test is over but our test continues it said in a hadith man qutila duna dinihi fa huwa shaheed wa man qutila duna damihi fa huwa shaheed wa man qutila duna malihi fa huwa shaheed wa man qutila duna ahlihi fa huwa shaheed he who is killed in defense of his deen is a martyr and who is killed in self defense is a martyr and who is killed in defense of his property is a martyr and who is killed in defense of his family is a martyr may allah accept him as a shaheed so these events happened elsewhere in the world last week an incident shocked the sudanese capital a student at the islamic university of omdurman was stabbed to death by thugs for his phone just for his phone and but when this happened in sudan the incident sent ripples across all of the social media and even the minister of the state he went to visit him because this was how much of a surprise this event was to take place in sudan but in fact such events are actually a, mo- a lot more common in the uk and this event won't warrant a member of cabinet to go out their way to visit because it's so common it's just a common police matter over here 
Now, when deaths like this are very rare, if, if there's attack, we can maybe attribute it to a lone wolf or a bad apple. But when they come so widespread that we hear so often about these needless deaths, I mean, just a few weeks ago, uh, in fact, this khutbah, I was planning on actually doing it on uh, Sarah Ever the Sarah Everard, who died uh, only a few weeks ago. So, uh, and how she also died in London. Uh, and she was uh, kidnapped. So, when it's so common, when these deaths in our society are so common, we need to look at the environment that has allowed such violent, horrific acts of violence to become a norm in our society. In the year ending March 2020, there were 35,815 knife offences. 695 victims of homicide in the year ending March 2020. That's over 20 needless deaths a day, murders a day. And remember, when it happened in Sudan, how much of a big thing this was. Over 20 happen on average a day in the UK. So we must look at two things. Two things we need to look at. Firstly, the ideas that are propagated in society that have created such an immoral society that allows acts like this to take place. Secondly, we must look at the level of deterrent that is in place to prevent such crime. So let's start with the ideas. We must recognize that the secular ideology, which leaves it to humans to decide what's right and wrong, has led to contradiction and confusion in our society. It's not based on the truth, it's based on a compromise. A view that even if God does exist, we will rule however we want. We will rule however, we will let man decide what's right and wrong. Even if a God does ex exist or not, we will not take a, a position on this and we will rule by whatever we want. And this is a blatant contradiction and abandonment of the truth because it doesn't base its view on the reality and how we got here, what we're doing, uh, what we're doing here and where we're going to end up. And because of this compromise, the society has lost lots, all direction in some sense. And this is inevitable because the human mind is limited. The human mind is limited and cannot understand all outcomes and possibilities as we have limited knowledge based on our own specific environmental experiences. The root of this ideology where we let man decide what's right and wrong is one of freedom. Freedom, we hear a lot about freedom. And that we should have personal freedom to live how we want. And these ideas are propagated in our society, they're pushed in our society, that we should be able to live however we want and that we should be free to pursue our desires. But then, of course, at the same time, boundaries are given. But who gives these boundaries? And these also, these boundaries, are based on the thoughts of other humans. And it's these ideas of freedom which is pushed in the media and society. And people don't know the boundaries. And people like to think, if I'm free, I can think of the boundaries myself. And this has led to a very corrupt culture amongst the youth. And it's these ideas of freedom that we need to actually think about. How, how these ideas of freedom have actually radicalized. We talk a lot, a lot of talk about radicalization, but really we should be thinking about how these ideas of freedom have radicalized the murderers who believe that they are free to act as they wish and only man-made laws acting as a feeble deterrent to prevent them. It's these ideas that should be investigated. So that's the first point. The second point I'd like to mention is the deterrent. In our society, 
it's enough to say it's clearly not enough of a deterrent. Many people do not fear prison, and some even want to go to prison, as it's seen as a symbol of respect. And how should we decide the deterrent? How can we qualify, how can we quantify such a sad, such a sad event of someone being brutally murdered? How can we quantify the non-material damage and decide retribution? How can a man do that? We know we feel, we feel anger and injustice when an event like this takes place, when a tragedy like this takes place. But what is the level of violation that justifies imprisonment, fining, reparations, beating, execution, or even forgiveness? How, how can we decide this? Do we give the victim or his family a choice? And who among the family gets to choose? Or does the judge decide alone? What is the remit or the remit for practicing human judgment, if any, and where's the limit? How do we decide the punishment? That's what I'm getting at here. And the truth is, as I mentioned earlier, our human mind is limited. We all have individual experiences and individual views. And this answer for this, actually, because our mind is limited, is beyond human comprehension. Because none of us ever, individually or collectively, have the knowledge and wisdom to make the judgment for each and every case that occurs. And to do this is an attempt to, to play God, a'udhu billah, which we have seen in our society, even in the UK, which is put as one of, on a pedestal as one of the highest levels of society in the world. But just in the last few weeks, we've seen brutal, brutal attacks take place. And this we need to think about what has caused this epidemic of pathetic injustice or justice systems all across the globe today, not just in the UK. So only Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the inner workings of a human. Only he knows what we feel, even before we feel it. Only he knows what counts as justice for us. Only he knows our emotions, what's taking something too far and what, when we need to hold back. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the reality of the human nature, of our human nature so well, and he knows how vile these two acts are that took place, that he has set the best punishment possible for these two crimes. He said in Surah Baqarah, Ayah 179, And there is for you in legal retribution, life, O you people of understanding, that you may become righteous. So in it, there's life for us. It gives us life that we are actually having retribution and justice. So instead of basing our society on a compromise or calling for a society to be based on a compromise, not on the truth, and to be on the whims and desires of man, it should be based on the truth. And it should be based on the truth that we were created from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala and that we will return to him and we will rule by what he has revealed. As not only does that make sense, he is the governor of the universe, the designer and sustainer of all the laws of the universe Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is, 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 is behind it. So he, how can he not be behind the laws of our society? Our creator who knows our reality more than anyone else. So it is upon us to live and rule by what he has revealed. We must make him our Rabb. In Arabic, the word Rabb means the one who is sovereign, the one who has control over all affairs of our lives. The Quran and Sunnah, the Quran and Sunnah is a manual and guidance from our Rabb based on the truth. 
So if we want to make our streets safe, and if we want to create a proper deterrent, then we better follow the guide from, from our Rabb. And this is the only way we can deter people from crime, make our streets safe, and deliver justice. And we must work towards establishing this system. It says in Surah Baqarah, Ayah 257, Allah is the guardian of the believers who brings them out of darkness and into the light. And only then human life can be restored. In our, in our society, human life is given a price. Hussein was killed brutally by robbers who saw that his life was less valuable than a few designer jackets in his family business. SubhanAllah, we know stories where it's been over 20 pounds. In our, in, in, in our society, everything is given a price. Even life is given a price. Even with a coronavirus, we see that life is given a price when policy is driven by minimizing deaths for economic value and not for life itself. When in fact, in Islam, we are told the value of life. Life is more valuable than all of humanity. It says in Surah Al-Ma'idah, uh, chapter 5, verse 32, مَنْ قَتَلَ نَفْسًا بِغَيْرِ نَفْسٍ أَوْ فَسَادٍ فِي الْعَرْضِ فَكَأَنَّمَا قَتَلَ النَّاسَ جَمِيعًا وَمَنْ أَحْيَاهَا Whoever kills a soul, unless for a soul or for corruption in the land, it is as if he has killed all of mankind entirely. And whoever saves one soul, it is as if he has saved mankind entirely. And this is a very, very profound concept. And this is how these ideas from Islam that came to the society of Mecca when the Quraysh would bury their born daughters alive, babies, the most purest baby girls, the most purest. And uh, Prophet Sallallahu uh, brought these backward people with the guidance from Allah Subhanahu wa Taala through the Quran, with the ayat Wa idal mauudatu su'ilat, and when the girl in Surah Takwir, uh, verse number eight, and when the girl child that was buried alive will be asked for what sin was she killed. And this is how the Quraysh came out from darkness and into light with the establishment of Medina. And just as the Quraysh needed guidance to come out from the darkness, our world needs the guidance of Islam to become truly civilized and prevent these horrific killings. Bismillah, wassalatu wassalam ala rasulillah, allahumma anni as'aluka min fadlik. So here, so far, from the, beginning of the, from the beginning of the khutbah, we talked about the tragic death of Hussein in London. He was only 18, only 18, and he was brutally stabbed in his home, and he passed away. And more so, we've talked about how in the in, in city of London, one of the biggest cities in the world, 
there are still around 20 of these needless deaths on average a day. And for what is this? And for what? What does this take place? Why? Why does this take place? And we've seen and we've talked, we've talked about how this is a result of ideas such as freedom and leaving it to man to decide what is right and wrong. And these have made our streets unsafe. And the only solution is for, this, for the world is to work to re-establish the system from the Creator, from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, to make him sovereign, to make him the true Rabb and rule by what he has revealed on this earth, and live by the manual he has given in the Quran and Sunnah. And this will elevate the ideas in society as well as deliver the divine system of justice. And this currently is not implemented anywhere in the world. For over a hundred years, we have lost the shield. And in fact, the same, the same man-made rules and systems that are propagated in the West are the same rules that are actually propagated in our own lands. And how does Islam differ? Just to summarize. So Islam actually does not believe in this idea of securing individual freedom per se. In fact, Islam actually views us all as slaves to Allah. And Islam inst actually makes the boundaries quite clear and aims to protect other values in society, such as the value of life, honesty, justice, and obedience to our Creator. It therefore sets various laws, rules, and limitations to create a just society. And it puts a deterrent to prevent such heinous crimes taking place. In a hadith, the Sahaba once came to Prophet وسلم, and they were complaining about their suffering. They were going through lots of suffering that we, we, we can't even imagine, unbearable, at the hands of the Quraysh. And Prophet reminded them of the previous nations and how they were tested. But he ended the hadith on an interesting note, Prophet He said, Wallahi la yatimmana hadha al-amr hatta yasira raakibu min sun'aha ila hadaramaut la yakhafu illallaha wa dhi'ba ala ghanami walakinnakum tasta'jiloon So Prophet said, by Allah, this religion will be completed and triumph till a rider goes from Sana'a, the capital of Yemen, to Hadaramaut, fearing nobody except Allah and the wolf, lest it should trouble his sheep. But you are impatient. So we shouldn't be impatient. We should work towards establishing this system of Islam. Because today our streets are unsafe. So the Prophet وسلم, alludes to a situation when Islam will be in authority and where people will indeed be safe to travel and go about their daily lives without fear. So we should not lose hope. We should study how Islam can create a very different society to one that allows the horrific events that took place in London. We should study how Islam creates a society that is based on taqwa, fear of Allah, and creates real deterrence to prevent crime and deliver justice, to create safer streets and a harmonious society. And finally, once we know this, and whilst we know this, we should be confident in presenting the justice that Islam delivers and call for its revival as a mercy to all of mankind. اللهم صل على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما صليت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد
اللهم بارك على محمد وعلى آل محمد كما باركت على إبراهيم وعلى آل إبراهيم إنك حميد مجيد ربنا آتنا في الدنيا حسنة وفي الآخرة حسنة وقنا عذاب النار ربنا ولا تحملنا ما لا تعقت لنا به وعفو عنا واغفر لنا وارحمنا أنت مولانا فانصرنا على القوم الكافرين اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم عز الإسلام والمسلمين اللهم أعز الإسلام والمسلمين إن الله يعمر بالعدل والإحسان وإيتاء ذي القربة وينحى عن الفحشاء والمنكر والبغي يعذكم لعلكم تذكرون واقموا الصلاة